0: Welcome to the podcast that is designed to fuel your success in selling technology solutions. I'm your host, Josh Lopresto, SVP of sales engineering at Tolaris. And this is Next Level Biz Tech. Hey everybody, welcome back. We are on uh, wrapping up the exciting track of contact center, contact center, CC, CX, customer experience, all kinds of good names. Uh, This is about specifically the interactions of the future. And, and what you're going to hear throughout this, as you've seen with the contact center practice, is that it evolves. Um, we have to communicate with our customers and you have to communicate with your customers in the way that they want to be communicated with. So I'm excited today to, to hear this from a partner's perspective. So Ryan Urbanski of Martin Advisory is on with us today. Ryan, thanks so much for coming on, man.
1: Hey, thanks, Josh. Thanks for having me.
0: So, uh, you know, we, we. We launched this talk track, Ryan, with first hearing from from Sam Nelson, our fearless leader uh, of the contact center side of the business, the CX practice. Um, we'll get some perspective after that from one of our suppliers. And then now on uh, on with you. So before cool. we get in, you know get into these weeds of 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 talking about deals and technology and evolution, I just want to hear about you. Uh, tell us about, how did you get started in this? Uh, you know, have you always been in tech? Did you start out doing something else, polishing boats? Like, what's the story?
1: <laughs> no, we, um, Christina and I, we started this organization, uh, in Oh five. And so we had established it before that we were with, uh, MCI, uh, directly prior to that. Um, and then before that, yeah, just dabbled around in other technology fields. Uh, I'd say, um, a little stint with Intercall, a little stint with uh, Rhythms. I think Dan was there as well. So just kind of kind of worked our way through. And then once we decided that, because uh, there was a line where a lot of the carriers were actually kind of drawing a line in the sand that mm-hmm. was delineating the customer service and stuff like that. Similar stories to everybody that started at our time. Uh, that's when we created Martin Advisory Group. And so Martin Advisory uh, we, we kept it agnostic. You have no idea who we are. No one knows who Martin is. So we uh, we weren't sure where the company was going to go at first. So <laughs> kind of just started it from there and uh, have evolved since then, so to speak.
0: Love it. Uh, and, and evolved you have, right? Uh, obviously, huge partner, fantastic partner. Love the uh, the energy and the effort that you guys have. Um, so, so certainly appreciate the partnership. I, I want to talk about, you know, you, you started in 05, right? That The cx we weren't even calling it cx then uh and you know we weren't contact center i think met some met in something different back then tell me about where did this where did cx where did contact center first start you know and how did you really learn about that broader contact center landscape
1: well the on the contact center side i mean back in the day right there really wasn't a lot of uh cloud solutions or anything for us so when we heard of a contact center solution immediately the, the the flag that went up was how many minutes can i you know can we propose and and look at solutions for our clients right so you wanted them to have a pretty substantial contact center you can charge them the the five to six cents per minute uh rate that was going through and that was a great deal for them yeah. so i mean back in the day with those the the contact center in our view was just looked at as a um a uh, service type uh solution for them so then as it evolved a little bit i would say we got i got into the contact center space uh probably about seven years ago on the cloud base and so once we started getting some solutions that we can give to the clients that's when we kind of dipped our toes in the water and and felt a little bit more confident going up against the avaya solutions and cisco solutions the on-prem solutions the customers had in their shop today and uh kind of got into that space and so it's been funny i mean it hasn't been that long but just to see how not only the, the technology invo- has evolved, the business decisions, uh, the procurement process, uh, even this year. Uh, I was talking to another partner about how this has changed so differently for us this year than it has on years past. Um, I think it's just a model that we continue to see as a, a, a large opportunity for us. I mean, as far as contact center business for, for Martin Advisor, when we started you know, back in 05. And I got to reel that in a little bit. That was way too long ago, but, you know, we were network infrastructure heavy and, and services heavy. And I'd say the part of our business we make today, the infrastructure probably accounts for maybe 10 to 15% of our business contact center makes up, uh, you know, the 50% of that, the UCAS, maybe 20. Um, And then, so the other uh, miscellaneous is on the security and stuff like that. So it's taken up a, a large portion of our portfolio as far as what we're doing today for our clients. And, and there's think, different ways to get into it now, which is kind of cool. Yeah. We didn't have before.
0: Exact point, right? I, I think the cool thing about this is that we've been able to see the channel evolve, right? You mm-hmm. you worked with, you know, opportunistically what you were able to do from a technology perspective. One, the customers were, were at a certain level of evolution that was on-prem and we were pushing a lot of, SIP and PRIs and, and different kind of, you know, TDM based technology, because we didn't have anything else. Those either A, those technologies didn't exist or B, they didn't exist in our channel uh, as we are familiar with them and the business models that we need. So yeah. so yeah, thankfully to your point now, almost, you know, to a scary point, there's a lot of stuff we can sell. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it, sometimes it's just about whittling down and focusing it and, and not being, you know, overwhelmed from all the different things that are there. Yeah uh i would love to talk about you know you you mentioned kind of one of the first i would love to talk about maybe what's the first deal uh that, that you've touched on in this space was it a was it a you know enabling voice to an existing prem contact center or really what's the first cx deal for you if you look back as far as you can recall
1: so the first cx deal they were a um medical they're in the medical field uh mental health and they went from a on-prem Shortel solution to going to the cloud, and so we got them out there. Um, yeah, no, it was different. I mean, they're they're still they were one of our first ones, still a client today. It's evolved a couple iterations since that initial sale. <clears throat> and but it, it, you asked me the question, I was kind of smirking because it made me think about the the process we went through and and how i want—I don't want to say clumpy but our, it was our first one we didn't yeah. have any experience on it whatsoever so just a, a lot of the times uh that decision was made by the it organization there was no other business units yeah. involved they kind of made the decisions and they really because they didn't understand it, we really went from a like-to-like solution so there was really no upgrades and stuff like that and so it was it was challenging to uh to take all of that because once you go from, from the on-prem to the cloud uh, on a like for like, the business processes got muddled up, the technology and how they leverage it got muddled up. So since that time, we've gone through several different iterations of kind of tweaking and, um, changing it. And I think we're on like version 3.0 or 4.0 from that first time. So yeah, that was, that was kind of our, 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 first, uh, engagement into it. So we, and I think they had about 150 seats. Um, so it, it wasn't a small project by any means, but it was definitely, we learned a lot by going through there. as we learned from everyone that mm-hmm. we go through. So it was interesting though. It's funny you asked. Uh, I, I, I'm gonna come back to, you brought up a good point
0: that I think is, is critical to bring up is, is how the, how the pre-sales process has changed because uh-huh. it's not an IT only saying, hey, we bought this, uh-huh. you're going to use it now. And everybody went, okay, cool. Yep. I, that's not how it works. So I'm mm-hmm. going gonna, gonna to come back to that in one second. I'm going to start with a, a, yeah. a another question first. Is okay. that, you know, whether it be this customer as an example, or just your overall thought uh, on this question as an example, I want to talk about how your your relationships have evolved and changed and how customers look at you as you help them with these more complex projects over time. How does that, how does that frame up or how does that change your relationship with your customers, the ones that you've had that you obviously want to keep and grow?
1: Yeah <laughs> well the 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 whole process has been great on all accounts because I mean obviously me, I'm not an expert in it, right? I mean, I know enough to to get my foot in the door, but uh, we've really leveraged um, a lot of resources with our Tulars team, you know, so like Sam Nelson, uh, Jason Lowe, Megan Ty, um, they've all been kind of our, our, our backbone or, or the, our experts in the field when it comes to getting these engagements. But what's been nice about it is because what we've been able to do is obviously we touched other business units within the organization that we didn't have relationships with before. So while we were kind of maybe singular threaded in the IT organization, now we're working with marketing. Now we're working with analytics. Now we're working with BI. So we kind of, we've been able to distribute our Uh, relationships to other parts of the organization to kind of make us more of a uh, valuable partner uh, for our clients. So it's only strengthened our relationship and made us less single threaded, which has been great because it's led to other opportunities that we never would have known were available that don't necessarily come through IT all the time. So that's been great.
0: Good, good points. Yeah. I think that's, that's always the end goal is that, um, you know, we want to do this delicately in a way that, that in, you know, helps us uncover other things, mm-hmm. but it really, I, that's the indirect side effect. I think the the direct goal is to really just make sure we're uncovering all the concerns. So there's none of these gotchas that come up later. Yeah. And, you know, if, if we come in on a CX deal and we're talking about the contact center needs and the word database gets mentioned and the word homegrown gets mentioned, well, if we don't start talking about, well, where is that database? Oh, it's on a server that's in the corner that is on, you know, premise-based MySQL. Well, I mean, that's hard to interact with that's potentially problematic if it's not resilient have we thought about moving that to a cloud-based infrastructure provider if we mm-hmm. can if we do then it allows you to make API calls it allows you to you know maybe we can get it managed for you if you don't have a DBA on site all those good things and yeah those are those are just I guess valuable or, or profitable unintended consequences so yeah uh love to see it when that happens and it happens more than we thought And. I, I think we're just opening customers' eyes. And to your point, yeah. Yeah, I think it translates to like, whoa, yeah.
1: I didn't know they could help with that. Yep. No, it's been great. And just streamlining. And again, not only just the, the multiple relationships, but as you just talked about, you know, opening up the their eyes to the existing infrastructure and being able to kind of make them more efficient. You know, they, they see the value of working with us. They're, well, wait a second. This is great. You know, a, an outside pair of eyes is helping us with this. <clears throat> Gives them some ideas they didn't have internally before.
0: So I wanna ask you about, I'm gonna go back to that question that, that we, we put a, a pin in of the procurement process. The, <laughs> yeah. you, you mentioned Clunky, we went through our same similar learning process, right? We we were all trying to figure out how do we tackle these big deals years and years ago? And what are the different components of it? And I think when we realized there was this, this trifecta of important people in an enterprise deal, and any, and it doesn't even have to be enterprise anymore but um, it started out with a a quest of how do we crack enterprise and how do we help partners crack enterprise and what we realized was okay this person that we thought was our decision maker the it manager they're important Mm
1: -hmm. but
0: the business practice leader the customer support person the operations person they're also really important we need to factor in what they need and third what we have to factor in is The procurement person because they have a job and they have a different job and they have a different agenda Mm -hmm. and you probably see it uh the procurement person and the it person they don't always get along so Mm -hmm. sometimes we're just a counselor in what do you need what do you want to get out of this right let's figure out a way we can come together and and kind of you know bridge that gap and uh be the Oh, uh, be the mediator. I guess uh-huh. to some extent. So, from your yeah. from from your perspective, how have you seen that from the partner side as you're getting into these deals? You know, evolution of that process in the last five to ten years.
1: No, it's and that this is the conversation I was having with another partner is that uh, this has completely changed. Even in in twenty twenty two, has really been our main focus because traditionally. We've gone through these um, engagements starting with the IT organization, you know, and, and so kind of how we evolved is that we we went from there, we took their requirements, kind of uh, looked at those through the different service providers and came back with some solutions. That was step 1.0. What happened is that um, we just missed a lot of things. So then what we did is step 2, okay, IT organization, you had your own requirements that great. Version 2 was, okay, you've got your requirements, but you know what? and this was what Megan Ty was great with helping me with, there's other, um, there's other requirements that you may need to address. You know, you don't know what you don't know. So we would go through and kind of help them compile a complete requirement list, right? Stuff that they knew, stuff that we knew from what the industry was. And that was kind of version 2.0, kind of went through the process that way. Mm-hmm. And so now what we're experiencing is okay, that's great, but you know what we're really missing, as I had mentioned before, the different business units that are going through. And you know what? On top of that, marketing has these requirements that IT has nothing knows nothing about. Analytics has requirements and knows nothing about. So whereas we used to start with the IT organization, I wouldn't say that we put them uh, last, but they're definitely not first anymore. I mean, all these organizations have director of customer experience, director of patient uh, uh, needs and stuff like that. And so th- there's actually unique positions that are responsible for organizing their omni experience and their digital patient experience for, you know, on the healthcare side throughout the whole course of it. And so what we're, what we've kind of migrated to here internally is, okay, let's, let's start the conversation with these groups, right? I mean, they're, uh, they're, they're different to talk to, you know, we've been talking to IT people for the last 15 years. It's kind of cool to, to talk to someone in marketing or start the conversations that way, but their requirements kind of, they take priority over what IT needed. So IT was kind of driving the ship. They've kind of stepped aside and most organizations are saying, hey, whatever marketing they need, they're going to drive the ship. IT, you need to figure out how to make it happen. So we're starting our conversations with those units and then trickling down and kind of looping in IT as we go on. That's been the biggest biggest change and, and biggest kind of shift that we've made in our business this year and going into the future. And it's actually, the great thing about it is that Because as you mentioned, a lot of those gotchas, when we were going through the old way, we'd get to implementation only to find out that everything we were activating and turning on wasn't necessarily what the business wanted. So then we had to go back, and there was a lot of situations where we would stand this up based on what IT was saying, only to have to do a professional services engagement to realign it. And so now that we're kind of getting on the ground with these other business units, we're hitting the ground running a little bit smoother on these implementations than uh may have where we had in the past so man, that's that's a long-winded answer to your no, question it's there good but, it's, yeah
0: it's good that's that's what i want to make sure that people understand is that it doesn't matter it doesn't matter when you jump into doing this mm-hmm. but what really matters is you've got to know the history of how we've got here uh yeah. i'm not i'm not trying to go back to the alexander graham bell what a pots line was but you've got to understand the last five to ten years of what Customers have gone through both because I think that helps you in the selling process, but two, you have to understand where customers are because you may want to get them here, and mm-hmm. the, it's not always a it's not always a leapfrog process. Sometimes it does have to happen serially uh, to that mm-hmm. point, and so you've got to understand where they at where they're at, and, and otherwise you, you can't get them to where they need to go. So no, great great yeah. example.
1: <clears throat> yeah, perfect.
0: Uh, I want to talk for a second, uh, I, I want to get into kind of a detailed, more recent example of what, what you experienced and what you went through. But before I do that, I want to, I want to talk a little bit about you know the interaction side of this. So if I flash back to, you know, what our vendor portfolio looked like 10, you know, five years ago, even the idea of an interaction meant, well, it's going to be, you know, through a contact center seat, and the agent is going to have the ability to maybe Maybe take some email into that, maybe a voice channel only, and we're going to voice route, but then we're going to give you analytics around it and reporting. And that's great. That's all you need. But then if we look at how the last five plus years have have opened up, both from products coming to market, but probably more importantly, of what the changing demographic of the customer base was, I think everybody realized that, and everybody in product at these vendors realized, we have to be able to communicate with the customers in the way that they want to communicate with us. So if they want to voice call us, great. If they want to text us because they don't want to pick up a phone, great. If they want to email, if they want to use WhatsApp, whatever, we've got to be able to appeal to all these things. And so I think what it created, those that were opportunistic, created the ability as vendors to come in and say, you know, somebody like Ada comes into our portfolio. We're just, we're a chat bot company. We want to enable you. And maybe for you, maybe that's a wedge product. Maybe you can't come in and rip out the full seat, right? And so I think what wh- behind the scenes, what we're trying to do is obviously we want our, we want our providers to continue to evolve and say, yes, not only are we a leader in voice, we're a leader in SMS, we're a leader in chat, we have all those, it's bundled. But maybe if you come into a deal, maybe ripping out the whole thing isn't up for grabs. Maybe they've sunk cost into something else. And so we, we need to enable, you to go in with whatever tools you need from a vendor perspective. So long-winded way to load up this question, but I I, I just, I want to understand maybe from your perspective out there, what you're seeing in trends, in the asks from customers around the interactions. And where do you think that, where have you seen that kind of go, right? Have you, how, how important, I guess, have you seen the omni-channel component be over the last few years as these practices have evolved?
1: i mean it's the it's it's the number one aspect i mean just as you talked about that whether it's the customer base whether it's efficiencies that the organization wants maybe they they don't want to have the staff to to be able to do this and they want a little bit more automation to to offset some of these common interactions i mean you you hit it right on the head and so i mean i don't and there's a fine line right i mean i'm not Throwing anyone under the bus, but Frontier Airlines' decision to just stop taking calls all of a yes. sudden, you know, and oh so it was gosh. funny because I was talking to my daughters about that. And I was like, "Let's test it." So I called the called the number to actually see if there was some way to to backdoor and get it through to someone, and there really wasn't. And so, I mean, you, you can get a lot of stuff done with the Omni, but you, you, there has to be a balance. And so, so I mean, our our business, we focus on the healthcare side, on the financial side. Um, so there's some unique compliance things that have to happen on the Omni side uh, with both of those. But, but what we're finding, and then we do some work on the nonprofit side. And so what, what we're finding is whether it's, you know, a click to dial, you know, whether there's a, there's a, a someone that's interested in getting some mental health, but they're, they don't want to make the step of scheduling an appointment, but they do want to talk to someone. And, and so I've got customers that are, they're trying to make it easier to start engaging you know, these people, and you talk about a different base, maybe they just want to chat, maybe they're not comfortable talking about it at first, but they'd like to chat with a a clinician, you know what I mean? So, Mm -hmm. so it's helping them um, create these, uh, these potential uh, clients and the, the helping their patients on a level that they weren't able to do before simply because they didn't want to do the phone call. And so they can actually have they talk about the number of interactions, eight to 10 interactions via text. You know, they start with the chat, it moves the text, you know, goes through those methods before a phone call is even made. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we've got a lot of clients that are pulling that Omni stuff through. And so what we're working with recently is a lot of automation on the email and chat instances, I would say for our business. So a lot of our clients, they want to, they're spending a lot of their time and they're using a lot of resources internally uh, going through some of these uh, more common tasks. And so the, we're really trying to work on whether it's streamlining the subject line of the emails that come in or or doing some things on the texting side, trying to get a little bit more automation into there so that the agents they have are only needed to do unique requests instead of the day-to-day. So that's, that's kind of where we're seeing our business kind of migrating through. So when, when we talk about What's happening on the voice side? It's almost like the voice side's kind of a a third place type conversation, right? The contact center used to be completely voice first, everything else second. Voice is really kind of an afterthought at this point of what we're trying to get done.
0: I agree. Great, great yeah. example. It's funny you bring up the frontier thing. I was just talking to somebody about that about that mm-hmm. news, and we were presenting some stats about uh, you know trends, trends to look for for 2023 and beyond. And one of the big trends in that was that. of the customers out there, are the the end customer, is willing to pay more for a better experience because we all know how bad it is and how painful when we have a bad experience. And in my mind here, uh, look, this podcast is not sponsored by Delta. If they want to sponsor it, they're more than welcome to. (laughs) But um, here, we're a big Delta hub in Salt Lake. And Uh and so we, we love flying Delta. And I'd say one of the things that Delta has done well is, you know, when's the last... Uh, what's the the last thing you ever want to have difficulty communicating with? It's in travel, right? When travel goes bad, you want to, you want to solve it and get over it quickly. And one of the things that Delta's done is they figured out an easy way to communicate, however, you want to communicate with them. You want to text, you want to call, you want to, whatever your status matters, all of that good stuff. The reality is you're going to pay more for Delta than you're going to pay for Frontier. And this study was about 87% of people came out right at the time as, uh, Frontier says we're cutting voice. (laughs) If I was a frontier lifer. And Frontier did a survey to me and said, would you be willing to pay $5 more a ticket if we, you know, if we give you premier voice, uh, you know, support tier one?" support? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All day long. So you've got to know what your customers want. I got it's cost cutting and weird economic headwinds and all that good stuff that people are going through. So I I can't speak for their business case. But, yeah, I think. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And there's times where you need to talk to someone, right? I mean, Southwest, they have a great online experience. And you can do a lot of stuff through their app but there's a couple of times where you just, you need to talk to someone, you know, hey, I, I need to take this person off my register or whatever that you can do through the tool and you need to talk to someone. So it's nice to have that lifeline there, but they cut it off completely was, uh, it's crazy. So we'll see if that gets reversed or whatnot. Crazy.
0: It kind of reminds me of the old days where, um, you know, when when UC first started, partners mm-hmm. would, would ask, how do I jump into this? Uh, I, I've, maybe I've, Maybe I've done network, I haven't jumped into UC and that was really one of our first advanced solutions. And we said, Go out there, walk in, door knock, see what phones they have on the desk. Call Mm -hmm. in, get an experience, try to get through to support, try to get through to whatever. And I think we've got to use the frontier thing as a reminder of we can still do that. Let's see what the experience is like. We might have a relationship. We might have a target. We might have a prospect. But we don't know what our wedge in. we We don't know what our realization for need to do something is from the customer side. So sometimes we have to find it. Uh, so that, that frontier thing certainly reminded, uh, yeah. Uh, that that one just was surprising.
1: Yeah. No, and you're spot on. I mean, a lot of the times, what we'll do is, you know, when we get a referral or something like that for a, a new opportunity, that we'll go through. We'll do exactly that. Spend some time on their website, finding different ways to, whether it's chat, uh, maybe it's an SMS, see what the response time is. We'll kind of go through that, and we'll also call them, see what's going on. So by the time we get to the first conversation, it's not, hey, what are your, you know, what's going on. We can actually say, hey, listen, you know, I, I kind of went through the queue. I was in your chat bot. It took me 15 minutes to get someone there. Are you guys using that as a, a real tool or is that just something you pinned up because you feel you need to have that? And so we kind of are able to kind of go into that first conversation with a lot of ammo and and knowledge prior to just saying, hey, you know, you got something going on. So, no, that's you bring up a great point. It's great to get the customer experience prior to getting into those new prospects.
0: Kudos to you, though. I mean, that is uh, that. If, if, if two people are calling your prospect and the other one is calling them saying hey I, I can help you with this maybe i could save you some money and you come in and say listen we did mm-hmm. this i pretended like i was an end customer and i did it and here's what i experienced is that okay with you did you know that i mean that your angle on that is just so different right kudos to you for, mm-hmm. for going through that process
1: mm-hmm.
0: okay uh, as we get to kind of the last couple questions here i want to hit you with one of a I want to talk about a detailed example. You know, we talk about in the beginning how you got into this space, the evolution, the first deal you sold. I would love to hear, and, and we certainly don't have to share customer names and stuff like that, but you know, walk us through something that you've been brought into recently. Uh, and, and here's the things that I would love to kind of have everybody understand. One, you know, did it did it end up looking like what you thought it was going to be in the beginning? And two, really, what, what were the problems, what were the complaints, and what kind of tech stack did they have prior, and what did you end up uh, putting in place? What ended up fixing, and, and what did it solve?
1: Um, so let's use this example. So they are a nonprofit, um, maybe about 200 seats, international. Their business is to uh, 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 sponsor children, uh, uh, uh impoverished children across the different countries of the world and so they had an on-prem genesis solution and we went through the process of uh looking at different service providers and moved into a, a cloud-based provider um and i won't say which one i get the, the for sakes of this one but basically it was their first it was their first iteration from going on-prem to cloud and so um I Let me go through this a little bit. So what happened is that we didn't necessarily do a like-to-like. We did some improvements, and they went through, and uh, it was good. But what we found out was that a lot of the business practices that they had established and the way they were doing things from like a workforce management perspective, they were realigning skills on the fly and taking people in and out of things and really doing a manual process. Because that's how they had to do it in the old world. So when they got to the new world, there was a lot of business practices that they had that um, didn't translate. And it, it just didn't work out the same. And it didn't give them the same information. Because now all of a sudden what happened is that when they moved to the prem to the, uh, this new solution, they were getting analytics and information that before they never thought. Hmm. You know, they didn't know that they had 2,000 emails that were unreplied to. And they were just sitting in queue. Uh, before they, they just couldn't see how many they had there so now all of a sudden th- this was a good solution but it created uh, kind of uh, question mark in their head they're like well wait a second you know why are all these problems happening and they're like well we didn't know we had these problems before we're like well okay we do now fix them so their way to fix them was to, uh, uh, to just kind of tweak and, and manage some things and, and so we, we, we put a stop on that is what happened and so what happened is that we we got some other resources involved from an engagement perspective. We got some additional resources within their company to get going. And so what happened is that they were they were missing their KPIs on their, their call to answer. You know, it was supposed to be, I think, 30 seconds, and it was like five minutes on the voice side. Ooh. On the email side, as I said, I mean, their their largest backlog was about 5,000 emails, and they were supposed to respond to those within – 24 hours and then they had the longest priority was was five days and so what we did was that we kind of went through and said okay let's let's restart this whole program and kind of understood what their business practices were and we actually went and kind of retooled their workforce management organization to to kind of tweak their mindset a little bit but what they were able to do then was they took that 5,000 email backlog and all of a sudden their kpis with the automation and stuff we had talked about earlier they started getting that backlog down or actually ahead of the count. And then, so they started having, they were using a BPO organization to complement theirs, So they had their team here and they had another team in Thailand. They were actually able to scale back their team in Thailand by about uh, 15 agents to 20 Mm -hmm. agents um, just for some of this automation and stuff that we did. So their bottom line saw a big reduction in what they were trying to do. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know if that's what you're looking for, but perfect. that's kind of the latest case on on how this this technology and stuff like that kind of helps serve them a little bit better, not only their 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 sponsors, but as well as kind of cut some uh, bottom line internally.
0: Yeah, no, that's perfect. I, I think what what I imagine in this, from a visual perspective, is our our ability to put an X-ray over this mm-hmm. deal, right, and really understand how did we get here? What did we? What were the key things that helped the customer see the light? And I think you called out all of those, right? The things that maybe some of those they were thinking about and others mm-hmm. you helped them realize and see, uh, and probably a lot more of the latter. And then you're ultimately the hero in that and you're putting a solution in place that not only just solves problems, it evolves them and then it, it, it gets them into a vehicle that they can continue to drive for years and years, grow and scale and, and, and all of that good stuff with. So no, that was an awesome, awesome example, exactly what I was looking for.
1: Perfect, perfect, and yeah, you mentioned I'm not. I am not the hero. I don't know anything. I, <laughs> I mean, I, I leverage your team and kind of what you guys are doing there. The, the the nice thing and the way I position it with my clients is obviously I'm not the expert, right? I mean, you guys are the ones that are in different opportunities with different types of clients and different service providers on the daily. You know, your team has eight to ten meetings a day, let's say, with different client experiences. So the the exposure you guys have and just Uh, without having to be certified on every single part you guys hear about so many different situations that it saves me and my clients a lot of legwork you know what I'm saying when we're in there trying to talk about things and and they speak about a couple of things and and Megan and team kind of oh wait a second I've heard about that you know this kind of helps that way it just saves us so much time trying to go through that process and stuff like that so no it's your team that I leverage I don't know anything love it Appreciate <laughs> the kind of words.
0: I, it's kind of it's uh it's hard to call this work when you get to to come in and, and do what you love every day i tell yeah. you it, you guys do have the hard job i mean i don't want to go back to door knocking selling stuff yeah. so if you can knock down the doors we will we will promisely hold up our end of the bargain of uh helping you on the tech side happily we love it yeah so good stuff that's so, great that's what makes it a good partnership yep uh okay so as we uh as we look into our our and not everybody's going to get this reference but some people are going to get it as we look into our miss cleo eight ball here and our, our our magic magic crystal ball uh the the ryan urbanski's opinion of of the future i mean you've seen a lot of evolutions in this of, of what the customers need you've seen evolutions in the tech stack if you just look out a little ways look out you know let's 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 add one one variable into this let's add in the variable of the fact that a lot of companies right now are being asked to improve efficiency, do more with less, all that good stuff, but, but couple in everything that you've seen up to this point, do we continue down the same trends of, of the same conversations that we're having because there's so much area for tech improvement and efficiency improvement, or what are your opinions? Just, I mean, interactions of the future, where does it continue to head?
1: Well, I think just, I mean, it kind of uh, complementing some of the conversations we had earlier, right? I mean, I, I think it's a completely different customer experience. I think different, um, different business units are driving these conversations internally. Um, and I think some of the the different interactions that the companies want with their um, clients has also evolved quite a bit. I mean, we're, we're going through the, uh, I wouldn't say an undercurrent, but I've just noticed, I've been in the business for a while. I'm noticing a lot of my clients are, are starting to retire, right? And mm-hmm. so we're coming in with kind of, a, as you mentioned, a new generation of individuals and stuff that are coming in there. So, so those individuals are used to having interactions with um, the company is a little bit different than maybe the outgoing uh, support is doing. So it's, it's been kind of, uh, it's, it's refreshing and it's also kind of, rejuvenating to kind of work with this younger subset of of executives that are coming in that have a different mindset on where things are going. And uh, no, I think it's just it's simply going to progress that way. I mean, I think when we say the customer experience, I think that's exactly it. I don't I don't think we're going to be calling it a call center anymore. And I don't even know if we're still doing that today. So it's really just that the customer experience and and everything goes along with uh, with that and how those tie in across all the different business units across the board into that sector. So no, I think you're spot on. Good. Spot Good, stuff. On Josh.
0: Good stuff, man. Well, Ryan, that brings us up to the end. I really appreciate you, uh, coming on, spending a little bit of time with me this morning and, uh, thanks so much for doing it, man.
1: No, I appreciate it. Thanks for, uh, letting me ramble and stuff like that. It's a, it's a subject <laughs> I'm passionate about. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. I so I appreciate, uh, appreciate the time.
0: Okay. That wraps us up for today. Everybody, thanks for joining. Ryan Urbanski of Martin Advisory. I'm your host, Josh Lopresto, SVP of Engineering at Tolaris. This is Next Level BizTech. Next Level BizTech has been a production of Tolaris Studio 19. Please visit Tolaris.com for more information.